Thanks for joining us for Stock and Leaders Facebook Live event, Future Planning for Your Special Needs Child. As the parent of a special needs child, it's crucial for you to get a jump start on planning for your child's future. That's why Estate Attorney Mac Brillhart is here to help you explore the options available to you and your family. Here's how this works. You'll post your question as a comment and we'll pass along to Mac to address. This session is intended to provide general information only and should not be interpreted as direct legal advice. If seeking legal advice, please consult one of our estate attorneys at 717-846-9800. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, everybody. Again, I'm going to be handling some uh, questions from you live here regarding special needs trusts and special needs beneficiaries. Just waiting for questions to, to load here. Okay, first question I have. How do I know if I should consider a special needs trust for my child? So typically, we run into special needs questions when an individual is on what we call a means-tested benefit, which simply means that the amount of money that a person inherits or possesses could disqualify them from a Social Security benefit or uh, medical assistance, Medicaid. And so folks are concerned that if a parent passed away, for instance, and left money to a disabled child, that he or she would lose housing, uh, SSI income monthly, uh, medical assistance as a health insurance source and so uh, again a, a, a disabled person being on a means-tested benefit should be a, a buzzword uh, or a, a hypothetical for when we need to consider a special needs trust. Benefits of setting up a special needs trust. So the idea would be that rather than the individual possessing the money and therefore being disqualified from a benefit the uh, asset, if you would, whether it's life insurance or cash, almost flows over the disabled person's head into a trust. And so the idea that the trust owns the asset and the individual doesn't own the asset means that the individual can still benefit from having the money utilized for his or her own benefit while also maintaining those government benefits. Okay, I have another question here from Elizabeth. How do I secure my son's future if I have zero assets and no money to put aside into a trust? Uh, basically, my son's future menial income will be all that he would have. So, good question. Uh, of course, the idea of a special needs trust is that assets or money flow into the trust. Uh, and so, the idea of funding a trust, one of the misconceptions we have with parents often is that the trust is actually set up while the parent's living, which is, uh, it, it can happen from time to time, but more so we see special needs that are also known as supplemental needs trusts set up at the parent's death. So the trust doesn't have money flow into it while the parent is living. Uh, the trust is typically located within the parent's will. It's not funded, it doesn't acquire a tax ID number, it's sort of sitting there dormant 
until the parent passes away, and at the parent's death, the money flows into the trust at that point. Oftentimes, when the client meets with us, they want to know, how much does it cost to set up the trust now? Do I have to file tax returns for the trust now? And the trust really typically is dormant, sitting in the parent's will until their death. What special protections can a special needs trust provide for my child? I think we touched on that, but again, the idea would be that the trust owns the assets, not the beneficiary. So the beneficiary retains Social Security, Medicaid benefits, housing benefits uh, by not owning the asset, but the trust money can still be used for supplemental needs uh, rather than housing and medical bills. I'm going to reintroduce the topic here again. My name is Mac Brohart. I'm with Stock and Leader, and I uh, work in special needs trust, special needs beneficiary law, and we are handling questions live on Facebook here. Who will manage my child's special needs trust if I pass away? Good question. So uh, all trusts have a trustee, right? Again, the beneficiary doesn't own the asset. That's the concept the trust does. And because the beneficiary can't own the money, the beneficiary can't act as his or her own trustee. So whoever has funded or set up the trust names a trustee. That is the person that manages the trust. Could be uh, hiring investment advisors, accountants, attorneys. But that person decides what to, when, and for what purposes to distribute money. So for instance, special needs trusts are not meant to be used for housing, health expenses, those are things that are covered through the government benefit. They're used for supplemental needs, so the trustee needs to be very cautious in what money is distributed for and what it's not distributed for. Uh, in addition to my disabled daughter, I also have a married adult son. He is designated as a trustee for my daughter in the event I would pass away. If he and his wife were to divorce, would his wife be entitled to half of the assets of my daughter's trust? No, in fact, good question. In fact, the, the, the major benefit to a trust is that the beneficiary doesn't own the trust assets, the trustee does not own the trust assets, and so if, in that example, if your adult son was divorced, his wife would have no interest in the trust assets because your adult son didn't own them and they wouldn't be part of uh, divorce distribution law. Another question, can my child use money for anything or only specific purposes? Again, I'll touch on that. So the idea of a special needs trust, a better term for it is actually a supplemental needs trust, which means that the trust is meant to supplement Medicaid and SSI, not to supplant it and pay for things the government pays for, but to pay for items the government doesn't pay for. Classic examples would be travel, entertainment, and that may seem foreign, but we can't supplant the government benefit, we can only supplement it. If distributions were made from a trust that would supplant government benefit, like medical expenses that Medicaid pays for, or SSI money used for housing, that can actually disqualify the beneficiary. When we write supplemental needs trusts, we include specific language that gives the discretion to the trustee to ascertain whether it would be a good distribution or a bad distribution. That's something that has to be in the trust, but it warns, it sh a good special needs trust should warn the trustee that it was the purpose of the trust not to supplant, but only to supplement. Next question, what is the difference between a guardian and a trustee? 
we talked about a trustee. The trustee is the person in charge of the trust funds within the trust, more of a financial role. A guardian would be two, two types of guardians. A guardian would be in charge of the person, so where they live, um, their medical affairs with physicians, uh, and there's also a guardian that would act as a guardian of an estate. So there is a little overlap there. A trustee is in charge of financial decisions within the trust. A financial guardian would be in charge of financial decisions of assets not in the trust. What types of assets can I use to fund my child's special needs trust? Well, a variety of assets. So we, we see life insurance proceeds. Again, if that trust is set up in a parent's will, it's unfunded. When the parent dies, the parent will often name the special needs trust under his or her will to receive the death benefit of the life insurance. Bank account, investment money, uh, you can even have property inside of a trust. Uh, but the, tr the best asset in a trust is cash. Uh, it can still be invested and grow. It's easily distributable. Uh, one thing we want to be careful of is having retirement benefits pass into a trust. If those retirement benefits are qualified and have not yet been subject to income tax, we do not typically want to see retirement accounts name the special needs trust as a beneficiary. That would cause uh, income tax problems. Can my extended family make gifts to my daughter's special needs trust through their own estate? Another good question. So if we think conceptually that a parent sets up a special needs trust under his or her will, if that parent hasn't died yet, that trust has not yet been activated, for lack of a better term. And so if we have a grandparent out there that ha is attempting to name the parent's trust under the parent's will, but the parent is not deceased yet, that trust isn't activated yet. So that can be an important lesson in the grandparent either creating their own trust under their own will or coordinating their estate plan with their child. Of course, it would be likely that the grandparent would predecease the child, and if that occurred, the grandparent naming the child's trust that's not yet activated could be problematic. I think we answered the question already about a guardian, uh, difference between a guardian and trustee we touched on already. What is an ABLE account and would it be beneficial for me to set one up for my disabled daughter? ABLE accounts are very new, specifically to Pennsylvania. Congress passed the ABLE Act in 2014. Uh, Governor Wolf signed the ABLE Act into fruition here in Pennsylvania uh, in April of 2017. ABLE Acts are another like animal to a special needs trust. They're, they're a little bit more simple uh, to manage. They're essentially a savings account. So an ABLE account is a way to transfer gift money to a disabled individual in a savings account, but because it's a qualified ABLE account, that account would not disqualify the disabled beneficiary from SSI or Medicaid. So there are all sorts of strings or requirements you have to follow when you deal with an ABLE account. The ABLE account cannot exceed $100,000 during the life of the beneficiary, the balance in it. Um, also, the amount that can be transferred into the ABLE account is tied to the federal gift tax annual exemption. And so, just as we can typically only give $14,000 per year to someone annually, at least currently, that number is tied to the amount that can be contributed to an ABLE account. 
ABLE accounts can only be created for folks that were disabled prior to the age of 26. Again, they can't exceed $100,000. The amounts that come out of the ABLE have to be used for qualified expenses. And at the death of the disabled individual, that money is subject to a Medicaid recovery lien. And that's, that's a very new concept here in Pennsylvania. What types of assets can I use to fund my child's special needs trust? I think we touched on that. Again, a great example would be a life insurance policy that names the trust as beneficiary. Uh, the residue of your estate, your probate estate, bank accounts, cash, uh, life insurance. Uh, we want to stay away typically from retirement accounts there. Next question, I've heard that I should disinherit my disabled son to ensure that he can receive government benefits like supplemental Social Security income. So SSI there, again, and that's a great point. SSI is one of those means-tested benefits that if your son were to inherit from you, he would lose his SSI depending on the amount. It's a very low threshold. I would say that you need not disinherit your son, actually, the concept here is that you create a supplemental or special needs trust for your son under your will, and that trust sits there, and rather than naming your son a beneficiary under your will or a beneficiary of a life insurance policy, you name the trust. That way the asset goes into the trust, your son doesn't touch it, your son doesn't lose eligibility. What is the most common misconception about setting up a special needs trust? Again, I, I think folks think that they have to actually fund the trust, put the money in the trust now, and that causes fear to some folks. They, they have their own needs and expenses and need to retain their money. And the idea is that that special needs trust typically is set up as a testamentary trust under one's will. It's not funded, it's dormant until the person actually dies. We do see the funding of special needs trusts when an individual is living. Those are called self-settled or first-party trusts. So for instance, if a disabled person became disabled because they were in an automobile accident, they were subject to a medical malpractice error, they are now suing, they're recovering money from a med mal action, from a, a, a personal injury recovery. Now it's not the parent's money. It's the disabled person's money. They became disabled because of an act that occurred while they're living, and that account would be set up by the disabled person, or I should say on behalf of the disabled person while they're living. So that would be what we call an inter vivos trust. It's funded while they're living, it's not at death because it's their own funds. Restrictions on setting up an ABLE account. Again, ABLE accounts are, are new to Pennsylvania, but uh, restrictions would be the money coming out has to be used for qualified expenses uh, to enjoy tax advantage. The amount of money in it has to be limited to $100,000 total. The amount that can be contributed is tied to that annual exemption again. And of course, when the person, when the disabled beneficiary passes away, those monies are recoverable by medical assistance. Uh, limit amount, is there a limit of the amount of money that can be placed in the ABLE account, right? That's $100,000 lifetime and $14,000 per contributor annually. Again, Mac Brillhardt here, good afternoon. I'm an estate attorney, trust attorney with Stock and Leader, and I am taking live questions on Facebook regarding special needs trust and special needs beneficiaries. 
getting some repeat questions here. Again, I'll, I'll handle that one again. Best time to create a special needs trust, that's fact specific. Uh, if it's a parent or a grandparent leaving money to a special needs child or grandchild that would typically be done at the time the individual passes, the parent or grandchildren dies. So in that example, we'd have that trust again under their estate plan. However, if the disabled person was injured or disabled by the act of another, like a personal injury claim or a med mal claim, that would be set up by that person uh, at the time that their injury occurs and during their own life. So it depends on the circumstances. Getting some repeat questions here again. Most common misconception about setting up a special needs trust. I think, again, the idea that it has to be funded uh, with money now is a misconception. It can be funded at the time the parent or grandparent passes away. Protections a special needs trust provides. Again, the concept is that the trust owns the money. And uh, because the trust owns the money and the disabled individual doesn't, the disabled individual would maintain government benefit eligibility, SSI, Medicaid eligibility. It might also be that that individual, uh, for perhaps because they're disabled, might not be able to make financial decisions for him or herself. So the fact that there is a qualified trustee named and the trustee is in charge of making investment decisions and distributing money uh, can protect that disabled person perhaps from themselves. Uh, another question that's come up is how to or who should I name as trustee? So there's, there's two basic trustee differences. There is a lay person trustee, right, not a professional trustee, or a corporate trustee. So folks will often name a bank as a trustee. The, the benefits there, of course, would be that uh, the bank is going to remain, survive the person. Banks might merge, they might change possession, but there would always be someone in office as opposed to a layman passing away. Of course, the corporate trustee would traditionally charge a fee, so it may cause a different expense to occur. However, that expense could be warranted. Uh, the, the commercial trustee, uh, corporate trustee can make uh, better, perhaps, investment decisions than the common person could. They know the special needs trust law better than a common person may. So there's, there's a benefit to a corporate trustee, of course. Uh, a lay trustee may not charge a fee, but they may need to seek professional advice from an attorney or an accountant. What is the cost to set up a supplemental or special needs trust? That's sort of a difficult one to answer. It depends on the circumstances of the disability, it depends on whether it's a self-settled trust by MedMal or PI, or whether it's uh, a trust under a parent or grandparent's will. I would say that trusts that are set up under parents' or grandparents' wills are far less expensive than a self-settled trust that's funded by, uh, at least by the beneficiary's own assets. So a range is sort of hard to quote. I'm happy to do that for you offline, but I, again, would say a testamentary special needs trust is far less expensive than a self-settled. What happens to the trust in the event of the death of the disabled trustee? I'm thinking maybe there you meant disabled beneficiary. So there's a trust in place for a disabled beneficiary, and the beneficiary passes away. There's still money in the trust that hasn't been used. If it is a trust that was created by another person, what we call a testamentary trust, a trust that was under the will 
of a parent or grandparent. There should be language in the trust that dictates that if the disabled beneficiary passes, the trust potentially ends and pays out to other family members because the disabled person has passed away. That would be that classic testamentary trust. However, if, there, if that trust is funded as a self-settled trust under a personal injury or med mal claim by the beneficiary's own funds, there's two different opportunities there or costs there. One is that if it is a non-payback trust, then we've funded what's called a pooled asset trust. And so there are, it's pooled because there are other disabled people that have sub accounts in the big trust. And that pooled asset trust, which is again a, a, a version of a self-settled trust, those funds would be sprinkled and reallocated amongst the other disabled beneficiaries that are unrelated typically. If it is not a pooled asset trust and it is a self-settled trust that's just for that beneficiary, just for that beneficiary's money, that leftover money, call it, has to be paid back to Medicaid up to the amount Medicaid paid out during the person's life, and then whatever funds are left, if any, can be directed back to other family members. So drastic difference would be a third-party trust, funds of someone else, can go back to family members versus a self-settled trust has to pay back the government before family members receive it. I plan on moving south when my son graduates. If he were to stay in Pennsylvania, does he need a guardian appointed or can I continue that role out of state? Yeah, there's no specific prohibition, at least in Pennsylvania. You can have an out-of-state guardian. Uh, there can be issues with whether that guardian has to be bonded if they're out of state, but there is no de facto prohibition on having an out-of-state guardian. Of course, the court would have to be involved in that. A lot of times we get questions that a disabled child turns 18 and suddenly a parent is told by a school uh, doctor that that parent no longer has the ability to access private information, which seems upsetting to the parent. And the idea there is that even though the person is a parent and they love their child and they're providing for them, that child became an adult despite disability. And if that child cannot execute a power of attorney to name his or her parent because of uh, the, not the ability to understand what they're signing, they're not of sound mind, then that parent would have to go to court and have to be named through a guardianship proceeding in order to still have the rights to access information. Do trust documents need to be updated from time to time? Sure. Uh, again, trust documents, you have to remember, special needs trusts are irrevocable, irrevocable by nature. So if you've created a trust during life, a self-settled trust, a first-party trust, that is an irrevocable trust. It's irrevocable. There are uh, trust laws in Pennsylvania that allow for a modification of an irrevocable trust despite the fact that it's irrevocable but there are steps you have to go through, very formal steps, and potentially have court approval to modify what's otherwise irrevocable. Of course, if that trust is under a parent or grandparent's will, a third-party trust, it can be changed and modified constantly because if the person hasn't passed away, they can constantly change their will if need be. Good question. Again, uh, reintroducing myself here. Mac Brillhart with Stock and Leader, and I am handling some questions about special needs trusts live here on Facebook this afternoon. Just looking for additional questions here.
All right, as well, I don't see any further questions coming up. Uh, you can certainly reach out to anyone in the estate department or myself at Stocking Leader, 717-846-9800. We also have a website at stockingleader.com. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you.